Welcome to another East Career Podcast, brought to you by the East Career Development Committee. In this session, we're pleased to have former East President Dr. Stan Couric joining me, Brad Dennis, to discuss some of the similarities and differences between Level 1 and Level 2 trauma centers. Dr. Couric is currently the Chief of the Division of Trauma, Critical Care, and Acute Care Surgery at Scott & White Hospital in Temple, Texas. Prior to this, Dr. Couric was uh, Chief of Trauma at Lawnwood Regional Medical Center in Fort Pierce, Florida, and prior to that at the University of Tennessee Medical Center in Knoxville. Additionally, Dr. Couric served as the East President in 2015. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Couric. Brad, I'm glad to be here. Looking forward All to right. it. Excellent. Well, let's jump right in. Um, for many residents and fellows, uh, all of their trauma experience comes from uh, their time in residency, at, mostly at Level 1 trauma centers. So many have no idea what a Level 2 center looks like. Um, as someone who's led trauma divisions at both types of centers, you're kind of in a unique position to discuss the differences, but also the similarities uh, between the two. So let's kind of start with the obvious question. You know, Is there a difference in the clinical work between a Level 1 and a Level 2 trauma center, and how do they compare in terms of volume? Um, clinically, there's not much difference between a level one and a level two trauma center. If you look at how the uh, American College of Surgeons defines it, um, standards of clinical care are similar in level ones and level twos. Um, the big difference being um, the level ones uh, have to meet a, a volume requirement for trauma admissions. They have to have a uh, surgically um, directed ICU. And most level ones have uh, participated in the training of residents. And then the fourth component, the, the big difference is research. Now, if you look at, it's hard to make a blanket statement about blanket or about level two trauma centers throughout the country because there are some that are affiliated with academic institutions, and so they function very similarly to a level one. Um, and regarding uh, volume, uh, my level two uh, trauma center. And uh, in South Florida, actually admitted about a thousand more patients than the level one trauma center I'm working at right now. Okay. So it's hard okay. to make again. It's hard to make a statement. Uh, yeah. Uh, they're all so different. Gotcha. Okay. So the clinical work is very very similar. Um, some of the other non-clinical components are what make the difference. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. And clinically, okay. Uh, yes. Like uh, okay. for example, on my level two. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No. That's that's what I was trying to make sure that we our listeners understood. Well, how about the makeup of the clinical team? Do, do surgeons at Level 2 centers have opportunities to work with residents uh, and even medical students? Uh, with residents, uh, not as many Level 2 centers have residents. Um, yeah, where I was in South Florida, we actually had uh, um, uh, two different medical schools that sent their students through our institution, and they were actually set up that way because residents weren't there. So you had students working directly with the trauma attendings. And uh, they like that model a little bit better. Okay. Um, Excellent. So I think, uh, and again, there are there probably are some unique uh, institutions out there that are level twos that do have a freestanding community residency in surgery, but it's a little less frequent than obviously a level one. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> how about uh, the attending workload? Do they stay in house uh, when on call at level twos? I know you said it varies from. You know, there's a lot of variability, but is that kind of a standard practice, or, or what's sort of your take on that? I think it's starting to become more of a standard practice, and I'll give you a funny example again. I, I've been in-house my entire career before I moved to Central Texas. 
I'm out of house call now for the first time. So okay. at the level ones and level twos I worked at, even at the level two in South Florida, I was uh, I was in house. Okay. Uh, Excellent. Uh, That's have, good to know. Yeah. So it, it really it depends on each center that you're looking at. Okay. Uh, what sort of research opportunities are available um, at level two centers? What kind of infrastructure do you, is present? Oh, again, that um, I would say that the majority of level twos don't put a big focus on research. Uh, okay. The ones we had in South Florida do because they were affiliated with the with the university. So at my old level two institution, we were actually in. Uh, we were trying to get a research coordinator. We actually had. Uh, an FTE position uh, that we were just posted when I was leaving, actually, for a research coordinator. Um, so if you if you have those level twos affiliated with an academic center, then obviously they're going to um, they're going to give you some support. Uh, if you're not affiliated with an academic center, uh, and because it's not a requirement by the college, a lot of places don't focus on it. They focus more on uh, you know patient care and uh, and quality initiatives. Sure. Uh, and uh, yeah. teaching if you have students. Okay. That kind of actually leads into my next question, which is about kind of quality programs um, at those sorts of centers. What uh, what kind of quality uh, infrastructure is in place at, at, at some of the Level 2 centers, um, particularly ones that are non-academic affiliated? The um, It seemed like performance improvement and, and, uh, and, and performance or quality assurance uh, was a big focus at my Level 2. I work very closely with the hospital-wide uh, QI uh, team, uh, and again, I think it probably varies. But um, the uh, the structure we had, it, it was pretty closely related. Um, whereas at a bigger level one center, um, you know, we have our performance improvement um, team, um, and uh, that team seems to be able to take care of problems within its own. And not having to kick it up to the higher level, like up to administration and such. Okay. Uh, whereas I was able to do that pretty easily at a level two center. Okay. So you're you had a dedicated trauma quality program there as well, or you worked it? It was sort of integrated with the hospital wide program. No, we had no, we had our own trauma one. I mean, the, okay. the college kind of they, for level one and level two, they kind of really require that. Um, it just seemed like at the smaller uh, in, smaller bed hospital at the level two. I was I work more closely with the quality team than I do at a level one center. I probably okay. All right. Uh, well, how about the hospital and the hospital administration? Um, how are they similar, uh, and how are they different between the two types of trauma centers? Well, I would say that at a level two, it's a lot different. When I was at um, MUSC and UT Knoxville, I never ever met with a CEO or a chief financial officer or a COO uh, or a CNO. Um, but at, at Longwood, I spent a lot of time. I, I was in the admin's uh, administration suite probably once or twice a week because um, I reported up to the CEO as well as to my boss, uh, Dr. Hurst, over at University of South Florida. So I, I, I got to learn a lot about how hospitals run. I got to learn a lot about uh, trauma budgets and uh, by working at that smaller level two hospital. Because I had such a such a close relationship with the CEO and CFO, uh, I have not seen that at level ones. Uh, even at my institution now, I have not met the CEO of this hospital. Okay. Um, so it, it's different. Uh, it's certainly a, a, a great thing to learn. All those that, that, that business type of or business side of medicine as well. Yeah. And I wish I would. I wish I would learn that earlier. You know. For, sure. Yeah, I'm sure. 
How about similarities in terms of the hospital and the hospital administration? Any any similarities between the two? Um, there's uh, well, similar. Most trauma centers are trauma centers because that, that, you know the hospital and the admin administration wants the the trauma center to succeed. So you're always going to have that support from above. Mm-hmm. It just seems it just seems like at the level two, I just had a much closer relationship with with the admin. You know, and at most level ones, you're in an academic medical center, and you know you report to your division chief. The division chief reports to the chair. The chair reports to the dean. So you kind of have more of that structure, uh, whereas at a level two, you're just going straight over to your to your administration folks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you feel like as at a academic uh, center that you spent more time uh, on administrative responsibilities uh, than than you did at level two? I mean, really what I'm asking, I guess, is do you feel like you had to sacrifice some of your clinical time for the administrative responsibilities at either place? At both places, I, I, at my last two positions, I was uh, I was a point, uh, .7 or point .6 clinical versus uh, administrative. Okay. So they, they were actually pretty similarly. At, at my level two, it was a newer center, so I actually did a, a little bit more administrative thing. There was a lot more of you know, mm-hmm. uh, setting up protocol, standardizing care, um, you know, building gotcha. the program. So I spent probably more time there. Yeah. The level ones are usually a long, they've been around a lot longer and uh, things are right. kind of running. Already. Okay. I understand. How about, uh, let's talk about leadership opportunities. Um, what kind of leadership opportunities exist for you at, at level two hospitals? Well, similarly, I mean, you know, at your level ones that you've practiced at, you know, you have all your, uh, you kind of come in as assistant professor, go up to associate, go up to professor, and you have your various leadership roles within the Department of Surgery. Uh, it, it does work similarly in a level two. Um, if, it's, if it's a non-academic level two, you have you have um, opportunities to be, get involved with uh, uh, the medical staff. You could become chief of staff. You could become the chair of your Department of Surgery, even though it's a much smaller scale. Uh, you have those opportunities to be a, a member of the board at a level two, and to work on various, you know, uh, program uh, uh, committees throughout the hospital. Uh, you know, there's always most hospitals have a transfusion committee. They'll have a quality committee. Uh, so there's there's those opportunities to actually get involved and, and to make your program stronger at, at level twos. Okay. Um, so if you enjoy doing, you know, uh, you know, committee work and things like that, I would not. Shy away from a level two because you, because you would think that, or if you were thinking that there was those opportunities didn't exist when you got there. Yeah, I think that's that's uh, an excellent point. Um, how about more broadly in sort of the surgical organizations, you know, regionally or nationally? Do you feel like you're still able to do um, a lot of the leadership things or be involved in those organizations coming from a level two center? Yeah, if you if you're affiliated with an academic center, some you know, even if it's peripherally. They're going to give you a little bit of uh, uh, strength to be able to do, uh, or a little bit of support to go out and, and get involved nationally. There's certainly a bigger focus at a level one um, center because uh, you know that research is such a big component of their program. But I don't, I can't see that. Yeah, if you're a level two center and you were starting off there and uh, you had a big enough support group and enough partners to be able to get to the meetings. I don't mm-hmm. see why you couldn't get involved nationally. Sure. Okay. 
Um, you have to have that dedication to do it. I mean, that's that's what you know. You can be at a level one center and not get involved at all. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And an organization like East, you think is is uh, obviously as a previous president, you you know were able to do those things. Do you feel like East is welcoming that uh, to to surgeons from level two centers? No question. I think a lot of the programs we put on are for uh, are good for uh, folks at level two centers. I mean, our uh, our leadership workshop. Uh, I know there's been talks about academic versus uh, non-academic centers. Um, so um, um, the science, the, the, the research is done, the, the workshops, and yeah, and even these career casts. I think that I think there's plenty of support if you're if you're willing to do it. I mean, I, at my level two center, I had all, all my partners were East members because uh, I encouraged that. Uh, I have zero East members at my institution right now, so I have to work on that. Yeah. I'm at a level yeah. one now, so yeah. So you do need to work on that. We need to have some yeah. members yes. from Scott and White. We all will. right. Um, all right. So what about uh, what type of surgeon do you think is best suited for a level two trauma center? That's a great question. Um, I've I hired s- several folks right out of fellowship that were used to having a lot of support, used to having a fellow underneath them, or having you know chief residents underneath them. And you kind of throw them into a busy level two trauma center, that, and it's you. It's you and a RN first assist in the OR or a PA in the OR. And some people can't handle that environment. Um, some people need to have that support of being back at a, you know, a level one or a level two with an academic uh, um, proportion that has surgical residence at the institution. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a great question. I, I, I would think probably the... Uh, the ideal person for a level two would be uh, somebody who comes out of a, you know a, a, a busy residency and they're they're a good broad uh, range general surgeon with trauma or critical care uh, training uh, that are comfortable with getting in the OR and not relying on somebody else to operate. I think that person will do fine. Okay. Uh, I just saw a couple of examples that that, that wasn't the case. So the, the people sure. they had to go back to an academic center. Okay. Uh, and then if you look at the other end of that. Uh, you know, if you have somebody seasoned, uh, I was always at level one trauma centers, uh, and always had the fellows and and uh, residents underneath me. When I got there, it took me a while to adjust. I mean, I wasn't used to putting all the central lines in at two o'clock in the morning, chest tubes at you know two o'clock in the morning, and I actually felt that I became a better surgeon by doing it myself uh, for okay. those few years. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit here. Okay, so. Don't get yourself in right trouble. Away. But <laughs> in what ways do you think a level one center uh, is better than a level two? And then I'm going to ask the opposite as well. Which way are twos better than ones? So we'll start with which ways do you think a level one center, uh, the advantages of a level one center over a level two? I think if you enjoy doing research and you enjoy teaching um, residents, I think a level one tra- trauma center is probably better off for you because uh, you're going to have the support to do that. A lot of these Level ones, uh, the way your salary is set up, uh, it has several components. Some uh, part of it could be RVU based, with a research arm as well as a teaching arm, and so your salary comes from those three different avenues. Mm-hmm. Um, if you um, are a good broad-ranged general surgeon with good training, and you want to take on the challenge of um, taking kick. Sick of, or taking care of really sick folks uh, right out of your fellowship, and you want to do it all yourself with uh, with a PA. I think uh, shoot for a level two. 
and because uh, I think you'll get a lot of experience quickly of learning how to do things on your own okay. uh, with a lot less support. Excellent. Very well, well handled, Dr. Kirk. Um, one question I did want to come back to, I sort of skipped over it and was going to return to it later. How about compensation? Obviously, that's something that folks coming out of training are always going to be interested in. Um, in general, obviously, you know, every center is a little bit different, but how, did the, how would you say the compensation compares between a level one and a level two? I would think, and this could just be my experience, I think the level twos probably pay a little bit more okay. uh, right out of fellowship. At least mm-hmm. the ones in Florida and some of the other centers I've I've seen, because they're um, uh, they're not relying on their research and the you know and the teaching part as much. Uh, but on the flip side of that is, is uh, you could take University of Tennessee for example. There's three campuses: there's Memphis, Chattanooga, and Knoxville. Now all three of those campuses were set up with different pay structures. Um, uh, we were in Knoxville. We were an S corporation that had contracts from the hospital for trauma and critical care, whereas I think Chattanooga was kind of a mix, and then Memphis was all employed surgeons through University of Tennessee. So that obviously your salaries are going to vary, you know, from that, those different types of models. Mm-hmm. You know, we could talk for probably a whole hour, you know, about all the different types of models that, uh, sure. that exist out there. But I think overall and in general, I think level twos. Uh, they're usually in uh, a little bit smaller areas or a little bit more rural areas, and they'll probably pay a little bit more to get quality people there. Okay. Excellent. All right. Um, one other one in terms of the, the ones and twos. How about uh, in terms of the work? So obviously we've been talking about trauma centers, but um, are, you know, at, at level two centers, are Surgeons are doing the acute care surgery model. Are they doing the ICU as well as the emergency general surgery, or are most of these kind of pure trauma? No, actually, I think most of them are um, um, the ones I were familiar with. We were doing acute care surgery model. So we we had somebody we had one surgeon on ICU for the week. We had somebody on trauma rounds for the week, and then we had a third person on acute care surgery for the week during the day. And then at night, that all kind of morphed into the one person that was on call. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think most centers are, are encouraging that acute care surgery model just to stay active and get it in the OR. Yeah, and was that well received by the uh, other surgical staff there? Yes, or, where I was, there was no other general surgeons in town, so that we oh, okay. we couldn't really upset anybody. That, uh, you know, I've seen it uh, work that, um, uh, for example, in Oxford, we know we were a level one. We were doing a acute care surgery, but the other surgical group, we kind of split the general surgery or the acute care surgery with that group. Um, so we both got like 15 months or 15 days of the month, sorry. I got um, Okay. But, yeah, I think most elective general surgeons today, I don't think they mind uh, staying in bed at 2 o'clock in the morning while they, <laughs> the acute care surgeons doing the perf colon and or strangulated yeah. hernia. Um, uh, I think you're probably right about that. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so let's take the 30,000-foot view here and kind of, uh, you know, for our, our listeners, what advice would you give a trauma surgeon who is contemplating a job at both a level one or a level two center um, when they're making their decisions? What sort of advice would you have for them? I would think it um, – I would uh, I would not worry about what the level of the trauma center was. I'd be more concerned about the opportunity at that center. You have to really you have to match a place with your career goals. If you want to become a chair or a department of surgery or a dean someday, obviously you're probably going to sh- shoot for going to a level one. 
if you want to be a, a, a good trauma surgeon that still does research, can still get involved nationally, there's no reason why you can't go to a level two trauma program and, and make that work. There are plenty of those centers in the country that uh, have uh, people who are uh, involved nationally. Um, so I, I think it's about what your career goals are. Uh, obviously, like I said, if you want to become a chair somewhere or a dean, you're not going to go to a non-academic level two trauma center. You're going to try to stick to a level one. Uh, and because they're so different, it, it's really, every job I've had has been the setup has been so different. You're really just, you need to get out there. Uh, you, you need to see what you know how the, the place runs, what their goals are for for residencies. I, I interviewed at some level twos before I took this job that were planning on setting up a surgical residency. So they needed people that wanted to get involved with setting up uh, uh, a residency to be the program director of the residency. So if you never went out and explored that position, you may never know that that could exist. So, mm -hmm. um, and I certainly I've made uh, some great uh, mid-level friends that um, by working at level twos, we had a lot of mid-level support, and uh, they're they're eager uh, young um, individuals who want to get involved with trauma care and, and to learn and grow like a resident does. So I've enjoyed uh, I've enjoyed that affiliation with uh, some of the PA schools. Um, but I say I say get out there. I mean, just because a place doesn't have a residency, or you don't know how much support they have, if it's in an area like, uh, if you have family nearby, or if something else draws you to that area, just to get out to interview, it can't hurt to interview and see what the uh, what the nuts and bolts are behind the program. Yeah. All right, I think that's good advice. Thank you, sir. Well, on behalf of the East Career Development Committee, I'd like to thank you, Dr. Keurig, for taking the time to speak with us today. I'm Brad Dennis, and I hope you enjoyed the program. When you find a moment of time, please visit the East website at www.east.org for more East podcasts and other valuable information. Thank you, Brad. It was fun. Uh, thank you, Stan. That was great. Um, yeah, I think I, I, I thought your comments were, were really good, particularly I think the stuff about the work, you know, the difference or the similarities in the workload between the one and twos, I think are I think that's something that, that a lot of residents and fellows coming out really worry about. Like, am I going to be there and just be sitting around doing nothing versus really right. active, you know? I mean, I've been blown away by uh, – I mean, I never thought I'd be, my level two was that busy until, I, you know, when I went out looking. And, and we were over 2,600 traumas a year. Yeah. Uh, and that's with five surgeons and no surgical residents underneath. So you get the – Get really comfortable in the operating room real quickly. That's good. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely something that that we don't really hear enough about. Um, right. Sure. So cool. Right. Actually, do you think that there was any that last one I was going to ask you about here was um, in terms of you know you went academic level one type place to you know Lawnwood level two then have gone back into the world of academics? Did you find that was that there were any difficulties doing that both? Getting you know, looking if you were looking for jobs versus also just making that adjustment back into that setting. Well, there would be if I wasn't. See, when I went to the level two at Longwood, I became professor of surgery at University of South Florida and Florida State. Okay. So I actually got a promotion because that was affiliated with an academic center. I follow. So, yeah. So getting back, I, I, mean, I had surgical residents, or I had uh, I'm sorry, not residents. We had the emergency room residents, uh, students, and PA students. Okay. So for me, it wasn't a big deal. But yes, I, I have heard, you know, if once you lose that, if you go to a place you can't get an academic appointment and you try to get back into it, uh, that, that could hurt you. Yeah. I'm still waiting for my promotion here. It, um, I'll be coming in, hopefully, as professor of surgery like I was in Florida because I was professor yeah, for I five think. years already. 
and it's not going to be a problem. So I'm just going through the process right now. But if I wasn't, it'd be I, I could potentially start back over as assistant professor. I uh, gotcha. So. Oh, oh, I hope that yeah. doesn't work out like that. All right, <laughs> no, I should be back <laughs> okay. down to my level. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Stan. I appreciate your time. All right, buddy. Thank you. All right. Uh-huh. Have a good day. All right. You too.